Welcome back to Talk of the Town on 99.7 and 1450 WHTC on WHTC.com and on the WHTC app for your smartphone. Once again, here's your host, Gary Stevens. Welcome back to Talk of the Town for this Thursday, December 21st. Third Thursday of the month at this time, we get an update on what's going on at Holland City Hall with one of the elected leaders of the Holland City Council. Today, we are joined by Holland Mayor Nathan Box. Good morning, Nathan. Good morning. It's good to be here. Glad you are with us. If you have a question for Nathan, he'll be happy to answer it at 616-395-1450, 616-395-1450. Nathan, first of all, let's address an issue that has been addressed on this particular program on a number of times, most recently uh, on the 20th, 20th of December when we had our monthly update from the Community Action House, and we talked about the National Homeless Persons Memorial Day set for the 21st of December, which is the solstice, Mm -hmm. the uh, longest night of the year, Mm -hmm. and to spotlight the uh, plight of the homeless. Tying in a little bit with that was a discussion about addressing affordable housing in Holland and the Holland City Council, maybe on cue, did a little (laughs) something about that. Uh, during its uh, meeting on the 20th of December. Tell us about it. Sure. We did a, a very specific thing last night, kind of a, de- a detailed thing in regard to how we manage what are called payments in lieu of taxes or munis- municipal services agreements. But I think it's, it's probably important to get into kind of the bigger context of affordable housing and what local government can and cannot do. And I always try to remind people, City of Holland does not build housing. City of Holland does not own housing. City of Holland does not sell or rent housing. Um, And that's not something that we're interested in in getting involved in. And I'm not sure we would even legally have the ability to be able to do that as a local government in the state of Michigan. Um, But we do have tools available to us that make it more attractive and more affordable for developers to be able to build housing that is both affordable and attainable. Um, and people always say, well, what do you mean by affordable? What does affordable mean? Well, the, the technical definition of affordable housing is uh, it's different for everyone because it's based on what your income is. And for housing to be affordable, you should be paying no more than 30% of your gross income on housing. Well, what does that mean? I'm not a, I'm, I'm more of a words guy than a numbers guy. So I try to simplify this as much as possible. And I say, okay, if you're making $15 an hour, what's affordable housing to you? And I got a simple formula that I, that I came up with that what you do is you take the hourly rate that you're getting, you divide it in half. So if you're making $15 an hour, that's seven fifty, and you multiply that by a hundred and you get $750 and that's what you should be paying for housing that much or less. Uh, $750 a month is affordable for someone who is making $15 an hour. If you're making $20 an hour, it's $1,000 a month. Well, if you've looked at the housing market in the Holland area, it's almost impossible to find an apartment for $750 or $1,000 a month. They're just not out there. Um, And that's because there's a shortage of housing. I took economics in college. It's supply and demand. There is more demand than there is supply, and so the cost ends up going up. Well, what can we as a city do? As I said, we don't build housing, so we're not going to be able to create more supply. 
Um, people say, well, what about the demand side of it? And I said, well, really, do I want to do I want to work to make the city of Holland a less attractive place for people to want to live? No, we actually are doing the opposite of that. We're making it more attractive. So in some ways, we as a local government exacerbate the problem a little bit because people want to live here. Um, but we do have some tools available to us. And there's an acronym that we use that's called we call PIZA. P-I-Z-A. We can plan, we can invest, we can zone, and we can abate. Um, we talked about the master plan a little bit before I came in. That's a, a tool that we use to look at what we'd like the future of the city of Holland to look look like. We did the unified development ordinance a couple of years ago. That uh, Some of the things that we did with that were designed with affordable housing in mind. We can invest, and some of the investment that we do is for local infrastructure. I just drove down beautiful, redone 6th Street, um, that's going to make it more attractive for developers to build in this neighborhood where we are in, on WHTC's site. Um, we can zone, which means we can provide more opportunities for more places for multi multiple unit uh developments to go, which are ultimately more important. And then what we did last night it's and talked about last night was abating. What does abating mean? It means we can reduce the cost to a developer, both in the initial cost of putting the, the project together, or more importantly, in most cases, the long-term cost of property taxes. We've long done uh, tax abatements for businesses. Uh, we had one of those two weeks ago where we we uh, gave a tax abatement and we essentially say to the to the uh, the company, the business, we say, you know, if you're going to make an improvement to your property, um, that's going to likely increase the amount of property taxes that you're paying to us. And for 10 or 12 years, we'll actually reduce the cost, that increased cost to you by one half. So we'll only collect one half of the the increase of the property taxes that we're going to take. We can do some of that with residential properties as well. But what we look at also doing are doing what are called pilots, payments in lieu of taxes, and, ta and what are called municipal service agreements, MSAs. And what we do is we say, rather than charging you what the actual property taxes would be for each one of these units, we calculate an amount that we are able to take as a as a city to make sure that we're still getting a, enough tax dollars to be able to provide police services and fire services and those things, but we're taking a lesser amount than the full amount that we would charge if it were a full market rate uh, housing development. Well, in the past, we could only do an MSA or a pilot if all of the units within a particular project were either affordable or attainable. Um, change in the state law happened recently where they said, well, there can be a mix of costs of units within a development, some of them market rate, some of them attainable, and people go, what is attainable housing? Attainable housing is the kind of housing that you could be afford if you were a full-time teacher or a firefighter or a nurse. If you're a working-class person, we, we describe that as attainable housing. And the state law changed, but our local ordinance still said it all had to be affordable housing in order to be able to qualify for one of these. So last night, uh, we had second reading and passage of an ordinance that said, nope, we're going to allow for this, this mix of values of rent within a development and still be able to provide that for that payment in lieu of taxes on all of the units that are there, not just the affordable ones. Um, and so we did, we passed the ordinance and about 10 minutes later, we actually approved the very first one of these for a development that they have been working on at least for three years now, I think more like four or five, at the corner of Waverly and 24th Street. Um, I've seen at two or three different iterations of this plan 
at the planning commission level, the developer keeps tweaking the plan to try to get it into a, a place where they can get uh, the support that they need both at the local level and at the state level. And every time it's come before us at the local level, we've approved it and we've tried to approve the abatements that we can. Um, they weren't able to get some of them at the state level, so they came back and there's this now change in the ordinance. And we believe that if this, that by what we did last night, it's going to make it affordable for the developer to actually build 202 units at the corner of 24th and Waverly. Um, 40 of those units will be market rate, so they'll be just based on whatever the market is. But 162 units of those are going to be affordable, and it's going to be a split about 50-50 between those two. And they're going to be focusing on people who make 40% of the area median income, 60% of the area median income, um, and 80 to 100% of the area median income. Um, and people say, well, what if they don't actually put people in there who need the affordable housing? Well, they have to report to us every single year. And if they are not within 5% of the targets that we told them that they had to meet, we have the ability to do what's called clawback. And we can actually charge them for the full amount of the property taxes. So developers are very careful to make sure that they've got the right mix of people in there so that they actually qualify for the tax credits that we're giving them. It's a long explanation, but really it is helping ease some of the load. And as I mentioned with the people at Community Action House, uh, uh, increasing the housing stock is not going to come overnight. No. This is a long-term it, solution. It is. A, it, it takes time to build housing. As I said, this project alone has been three or four years in the making, and they haven't even broken ground yet. Um, our director of uh, Community and Neighborhood Services gave us some numbers last night. He said he went back five years at, develop, at what's been happening in development in Holland. There have been 13 different housing developments uh, about half of them have been constructed. About half of them are under construction. There's two of them that are still in the planning stages that construction hasn't started. That's 1,137 units uh, under construction. Of those, 31% have been affordable or attainable housing. So, Hollins, what we're doing with our pizza, our pizza plan has actually been moving the needle and been getting more units built in the city of Holland that would not be able to be built otherwise. And so while we don't build housing, we can increase that stock, increase the supply. Our developers can, and the tools that we're using are actually encouraging developers to do that, and they're doing it. Well, here's hoping that... Uh those are built in time for them to be used because it would be a it would be a shame <laughs> yeah. if they built the units and they're ready and then the demand isn't there anymore. Yeah, and and the way things have been going in Holland with with development both on the commercial and the industrial side, I don't see that as a problem at any point in the in the near to mid future. Um, you know, I, I don't have a crystal ball, so I can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow even. But the trending is. Um, Western, West Michigan, Holland in particular, Ottawa County continue to grow at a very fast rate. People want to live here. Uh, businesses want to locate here. And so we're going to need that housing in the long term. 616-395-1450. If you have a question for Holland Mayor Nathan Box, 616-395-1450. Let's touch upon this because it's coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, the Coffee with Council sessions Two weeks from yesterday, before the first meeting of the year, from 5 to 6 p.m., mm-hmm. and then uh, two weeks from this coming Saturday, from 9 to 11.30 a.m. at the Herring of Holland Civic Center place. Uh, it's a chance for people to uh, 
get things off their chest and before the city council. <laughs> Absolutely. I love these two events. I want to make sure everybody knows there are refreshments available. Um, I know that that tends to bring more people out, so I want to make that very clear. There are great refreshments available at both of those, and it is. It's an opportunity. It's a, a low-key, informal opportunity for you to be able to talk to your council member, to talk to the mayor, to talk to key members of city staff who are generally there as well as we begin our annual budget process. So that's really the kickoff for the budget process for us is to get that input from the community. And then we're going to be meeting in mid-January. Council is on our annual retreat. Uh, if Mike Trithui, if you're listening, that's the advance. Um, and that's where we talk with amongst ourselves and with staff uh, to be able to tr try to set priorities for the coming year. Um, we also hear from uh, every department head. Uh, and my understanding is all of their videos for this year are already have already been shot and are in the can and ready to be ready to be shown to city council um, where not only do we meet with the public, but we hear from every every department head about what they've been doing, what their goals are for the next 18 months, because the budget year starts on July 1st. But we want to hear what they're doing between January 1 and, and July 1st as well. So it's about an 18 month uh, look ahead so that we can understand what their needs and their priorities are as well, combine those with what we're hearing from the public, and then help Keith Van Beek and his staff put together the budget for the upcoming year. Um, great opportunity, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I don't think nearly as many people come to the coffee with council as we would like. Um, I'd love to see throngs of people there, but there are times where I look around the room and I think there are only two or three people here. Um, and they're the same people that I talk to frequently anyway. I'd love to have new voices, new faces there telling us what they'd like to see for the city of Holland in the coming year. For those who have echoed concerns about voices not being heard on city council, well, there's opportunities to make your voice heard before the Holland City Council. So this is the opportunity again. Uh, the 3rd of January, Wednesday night, 5 to 6, at uh, City Hall in Chambers before the uh, first City Council business meeting yes. of the year. Yep. And then from 9 to 11, over at the Hearing of Holland Civic Center place. Absolutely. They had great pig in the blankets when we did our last event there. So hopefully we'll we'll have that on that set or uh, Saturday do, morning. Please, please, don't influence, you know, <laughs> the people involved. 616-395-1450. If you have a question for Holland Mayor Nathan Box, 616-395-1450. Let's talk for a moment about the Hearing of Holland Civic Center mm -hmm. place. It looks as if, uh, uh, well, Venue venue works is still planning to uh, uh, keep on going. They're 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 planning on bringing Three Dog Nine into town, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, you know the process is there for somebody else to possibly take over operations of that facility. There is with with just about every everything that we do, we have contracts that we enter into, um, and the Civic Center is no is no different. Uh, about five years ago, we entered into the the initial contract with VenueWorks, and that venue that contract is set to expire, I believe, on June 30 of this coming year. And so, as part of the the renegotiation process, it is we are being good stewards of the city's tax dollars, of the taxpayers' tax dollars, to say, you know what, we need to make sure 
we know what other vendors are out there and available, um, what they can bring to the city and what it's going to cost. So we've put out a request for proposals from from other entities, and VenueWorks is one of those that's received the, that request as well. And my understanding is uh, they're going to be putting forth a proposal to continue to be the manager of the, the Civic Center. But we as a council and a staff need to look at what other options are available. And so uh, I believe it just after the first of the year is when those proposals are due. Uh, my understanding is there are multiple entities that are looking at bringing proposals forward. Uh, all of those will be opened. All of those will be reviewed by staff. They'll re- be reviewed by council. And then based on what we see in those proposals, we'll enter into a, into a new contract for the management of the Holland Hearing Civic Center moving forward. And we want to do that as quickly as possible because we know that a lot of events get booked quite a ways out. Um, there, there are weddings, there are, there are the concerts that are taking place and we want to make sure that we're able to one, if, if there is a change in management, that that transition is as smooth as possible. And even if there isn't a change in management, that if it's venue works, it's going to continue to be the manager that they have some, they have confidence that they're the ones that are going to be running the facility in a year. And so they're going to be more interested in booking events out for next year. If they're the ones that are going to be that actually operating the facility at that time. So it's a, it's a great example of good fiscal responsibility and transparency within city government that we make sure that we're looking at all of the options that are available for the taxpayers. And as you know, you mentioned at the beginning of that uh, answer there, it's not a vote of no confidence that the uh, bids, you know, the extending for the contracts is there. It's not as if to say, well, we need, we want to replace venue works, but it's nope. just a matter of, hey, it's part of the process. This is this is the way the process works. This is good governance. Uh, we would not be being good stewards of the of the taxpayers' dollars if we weren't looking at the options that were available when a contract comes up. Let's bring up a popular topic, a fun topic for you because you're not afraid to talk about it at the drop of a hat. I'm not wearing a hat. My hat's in the other room, so I won't be able to uh, do a graphic illustration, but uh, please picture in your mind that I'm going to drop my hat and Nathan's going to talk about the ice skating rink. Oh, my goodness, yes. <laughs> I was hoping that's what you were going to ask about. Because uh, where are we standing now? Sure. So where we are right now is we have, uh, we have requests for bids out to different contractors so we can actually have hard numbers or hard-er numbers. I've, I've got to make sure if, if uh, Assistant City Manager Matt Van Dyken is listening. Um, these, are, these are bid proposals. These are estimates. These aren't actual numbers, obviously, but it gets us closer to what that actual cost is. So we've got... We've got pretty set plans that are out there in the hands of contractors right now who are putting bid packages together for us to be able to take a look at. We're expecting those back just after the first of the year. Um, Staff will take a look at those. They'll make recommendations to council. Council will then vote on that. I'm going to tell you that I, I have not seen even the slightest inkling from any member of council member that they were anything less than super excited about moving this project forward. So I would imagine if those bid, if those bids come back within the range that we're expecting, council will approve it and they could break ground as early as this spring. Um, I would love to see us skating this time next year. I don't think that that's likely to happen. It's just going to take longer to get that built than, uh, than that. But the goal here has always been is to build the right rink 
for the city of Holland. Um, and what that means is refrigerated ice. And of course that means snow melt surrounding it with snow, with snow melted benches. Uh, Frank cry, who was the, the impetus all of all of this, as everyone knows, the retired school teacher from West Ottawa, we have been working as quickly and diligently as we can because Frank's about 87 years old right now. And we want Frank to be alive, to see that ice in place, but we want to make sure that we're doing it right. Um, and that means the right size. So there's going to be a pond of ice, there's also going to be a ribbon of ice or a canal that goes out into the park to be able to skate. Uh, and then Frank said he was very interested in there being curling. So there's going to be a half-size curling rink. Frank was very interested in there being hot chocolate. So there will be hot chocolate. There will be skate rental. Uh, we're working on a thing. One of the thing, the aspects of it that's near and dear to my heart is we uh, went and talked to Hope College about being a, a sponsor of the ice skating rink because we said, you know, this is going to be a, a draw for you for students as well. And so they went and talked to the student activities committee who has funds for these types of things. And the students said, well, we like the idea of a financial donation, but what we'd really like to do is we'd really like to have Hope College students giving ice skating lessons to elementary students in the city of Holland, which warms warms the mayor's heart that our, our college student population is interested in being involved and volunteering for the community. Um, we're, we don't have set costs. We get asked that. Uh, you know, what's it going to cost to skate? But we ha we are dedicated to making sure that anyone who wants to skate is going to be able to skate. Um, you're likely going to have to, and I can say almost positively, you're going to have to reserve a time to skate because one of the things that we've learned from other, other venues is if everybody can come at the same time, you're all bunched together and you're, you're not really having a good time. So you'll be able to do a, a block of maybe 45 minutes or an hour or so. And then in order to get those people off the ice, we'll bring the Zamboni out and we'll clean the ice. And then the next group of people can come in. So on those really busy days that, that uh, we're, we want to make sure that the experience is as good as possible for people. But it is on track. We're, we're getting it done. Uh, just a little bit more complicated than we initially thought, because as you know, uh, the site that we're building it on is uh, the former city dump. And on top of that are the dredge, the dredge spoils uh, from dredging out the harbor and Lake Makatawa. And that's not the most stable surface. And, you know, being not being a contractor, I thought, oh, you just lay a sheet of con a concrete out there and then you chill it and you're good to go. Uh, but we've got ice skate rink building experts who have said, nope, you can't have deflection more than a half an inch across the entire surface of the ice. Otherwise, you have maintenance problems forever. And we don't want that. So we're going to make sure we build it right the first time so that 50 years from now, people are still going to be skating on that ice. I could tell you about, uh, you know, deep inclines or, you know, climbing road, you know. Uh, anybody who has ever put together a backyard skating rink yes. will tell you that uh, <laughs> so that could be an issue. Exactly. Water water finds its level. Water finds a crack. I grew up, when I was a kid, we had swimming in-ground swimming pools, and my it was a constant battle my dad was fighting to keep the water in that pool and not and not leak out. And we want to make sure that this, this lasts and does not become a maintenance issue down the road. If we build it right at the beginning, that won't be a problem later. I'm going to, no, we're not going to put Mayor Box on, on the spot here. The best case scenario, and I mean the absolute best case scenario for breaking ground on this, I'm recording this May 15, Wednesday after 
tulip, tulip time. time. Yes, yeah. It's very highly unlikely that there'd be. But that would be the best case scenario, right? There's there's not going to be any disruptive construction in that neighborhood prior to tulip time. Although last year we put in the access road that attached Fifth Street uh, into College Avenue and ran it right up to the edge of where Tulip Time was using that property. And if you were down in this neighborhood the week after Tulip Time, they had that road connected the first day after Tulip Time. They connected that back in. So um, we've got really smart people and really smart contractors in this town. And so if there's a way to be able to get things done that are not disruptive to Tulip Time, they'll get it started. But I think you're right. I think it's going to be after Tulip Time before the, that ground gets broken. With that, we button up our conversation with Holland Mayor Nathan Box. Cityofholland.com is the website for more information on what's going on at Holland City Hall. Nathan, I wish you and your family and all the staff and city council members nothing but the best for a safe and blessed holiday season and good 2024 ahead. Thank you very much and Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to all of the listeners out there as well. Thank you very much, Nathan Box on 99.7 and 1450 WHTC.